Welcome back to Aliyah Yami. Today we're going to be learning together Zaza Bracha Revi'i, the fourth Aliyah in Parshas Zaza Bracha. This is a continuation of Moshe's Brachas, and today we hear about Zvulun, Yisachar, and God. Our Aliyah is four psukim long, running from Perak Lamed Gimel Yudches to Chof Aleph. Basic summary as we hear about the Bracha of Zvulun and Yisachar, it's, we hear Samach Zvulun, but say Sechav Yisachar Ba'alecha, rejoice Zvulun in your travels and Yisachar in your tents, because nations will come, it will be will be called to the mountain, and they will sacrifice offerings of willingness, and they will nurse the bounty of the seas and the hidden blessings in the sand. So it's a very beautiful description. And we hear about the Baruch of God. We hear that God, Baruch Marchi of God, God is able to be expanded, and there's a blessing in that he is like a lion, he rips the heads and shoulders of his enemies, and, and then we hear how he is described as the held in the place of the hidden seer, the hidden prophet, and he is the first of the nations and keeps his righteousness. So a lot of interesting and obviously a poetic innuendos to the past and present and future of these tribes. So the first question is, is, why are these tribes here? So Rashi points out that the last five Shvat and the last five tribes to receive the brachas are the five who were presented in front of Paroi by Yosef when he wanted to make the request that his brethren live in the land of Goshen. And part of the request was trying to present the weaker of his brothers. So these are the five weakest brothers who are at the end, and they are placed in this order. He had to give them an extra chizak. Now, why are Yusach and Zulun lumped together in their bracha? So famously, Rashi tells us that these tribes had an agreement. Zulun spent his entire time in trade, and Yusach all his time in learning Torah, and therefore they shared the reward. That's why Zulun is first, Rashi points out, because without him, without him earning that parnasa, Yusach would not be able to do that, and would not be able to do his learning. It's fascinating because it seems to be that the um, it seems that, that the default is that everybody's supposed to be working and learning. And what was unique is that they made this interesting deal in that, that one would fully learn and one would fully work, which seems to be sort of out of the ordinary in this respect as well. Um, Rashi comments, of course, that um, Yisachar is not only learning Torah, but also fixing the Kviyasa Diyarcha was involved in your Bin al knowing about the great the greatness of setting the times in the Jewish calendar because of his Torah study. What are the hidden gifts of the sand, which Zvulun and uh, perhaps Yisachar is gifted with? So Rashi quotes three things. One is tuna fish, and one is the white sand, which can be made into glass, and the chilazon, which is this type of creature which yields this beautiful dye, which is used for the tzitzis in the areas where Zvulun's uh, territory is. Now, what does it mean that all these nations will come to the mountain so, and bring these sacrifices? Rashi says, because Zvulun is going to be such an important Mediterranean coast trader, so many of the other business people will come from all these countries. They'll come to Israel, and once they're there, they'll say, well, let's go see the temple of these folks. They'll go off, and they'll see that everybody's serving one God, and there's no pantheon, and there's nobody doing their own thing. Everybody's doing the one service to one God, and they'll be so impressed that they'll convert to Judaism. So the pragmatia, the... The, the trade of Zivulun is going to lead to remarkable theological outcomes in Kiddush Hashem in this way. Big question which most people don't address, and you won't see addressed on the classic Mephorosh on the pages, was Zivulun really by the sea? So if you go to Yosef Yoshua Yud Test, and you look at all the locations of the cities and the towns listed there, it does not sound like any of them are on the coast. In fact, it is in the north, but it seems that in fact that Zivulun is landlocked. Asher is on the coast, by the area of Phoenicia and Lebanon today, what we call Lebanon today. Zvulun is landlocked in the central part of the Galil towards the northern border of where Israel is today. So how does that square with the fact that both Yaakov's bracha and Moshe's bracha talk about the coast? 
Yaakov's bracha is is um, describing his the choif on Yais that he dwells by the the shore with boats and our bracha is smach zavulun betzesecha. So it sounds like that he's by the by the sand munechol. So how how can we account for this as well? It's interesting. Most of the Farshim do not deal with this. Um, a lot of the Christian literature actually deals with this and tries to make suggestions. So many Christian um, scholars try to address this. So they may, they make many suggestions that it, what it means is he lives towards the sea. The border of Zulun's territory was so close that he gained the wealth of the seafarers. You know, so it could it could be that he expanded later at the times of Shlomo Melech. A lot of interesting suggestions as to this as well. It should be worthwhile noting that the Medrash and and the Mefarshim take it for granted that uh, that Zavunin is right next to the sea as well. So there's no you know no, not ambiguously and not um, figuratively, but very literally as well. So for the exa- as example, the Dazakanim says. And when it says Ahulu Khafir Anyas, it means that his cities were so close to the harbors that he became a bastion of trade because uh, other cities were further away from the coast and people would not like to bring their boats that close and then having to offload their goods further away. So these, his ports were were set up in such a way that trade was easy. So the Mufarishan take it as a for granted. It's interesting that in the Rabbi Arya Kaplan living Torah, in his map um, of the territories of the different tribes, he has a, a, a little strap which comes from Zavulun through Asher to the coast, and actually Zavulun owns the coast of Asher from the area of, Ty- uh, of Tyre and Sidon, which were the, were the initial, later on going to be the Phoenician ports. It's important to notice that the Phoenicians were the greatest traders of the Mediterranean for many, many centuries, and this is the area that Zavulun was gifted in his territory, and so it could well be that those were the. That's what really actually happened. That uh, although Yoshori describes the inland cities, the landlocked cities, but certainly the the here the coastal cities as well. That seems to be taken for granted. Finally, um, one last thing in this alia is when we're talking about God. Um, at the end, there we talk about. Um, um, him seeing first and doing this righteousness. What's that referring to? Rashi says he saw Transjordan. That was where they were in the land of Sichon and Og, and he made a request for it. And that's why Chelkas Melchakeh Sofun refers to Moshe Rabbeinu's grave, the plot of the hidden seer, where Moshe Rabbeinu's grave plot is not known, but it is in the territory of, da- of God. And the Rosh Am refers to how he came first as the Rosh to the people when he came to conquer the land of Israel, but Tzidkas Hashem thereby doing his word and his bidding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which was leading the charge into the land of Israel. So that describes a bit of Dan as a, a, a God as well, God being also this um, very fierce border defender, which is why it's necessary as he expands to the east, as the east coast of Israel expands. So these are some perspectives on these brachas. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful day.